Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Seas. Here you have Christine. And I'm Colin. And today we're going to talk about health and fitness. For anyone who doesn't know, I am a certified personal trainer through NASM, a certified nutrition coach through Precision Nutrition, and over the years I've worked at multiple gyms, coaching group classes, as well as taking on one-on-one clients. Right now, because we're in a pandemic, it's still the end of 2020 as we're recording this, I am doing most of my work virtually, but Throughout the years, I've realized that people have a lot of the same questions and can get stuck with kind of analysis paralysis, not knowing where to start. So today we'll kick off with a little kind of Q&A about health and fitness. All right. This is super exciting because even some of these things I don't really know the answers to and I get confused as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of people that get a lot of good stuff out of this. So the first question is simple. Strength strength training or cardio so this seems like a simple question but i kind of have more than one answer for it (laughs) it is a very common question my first answer is honestly whichever one you're going to stick to Uh, my second answer is really both are important but my third answer is if you are only going to do one and you're fine with sticking with whichever one it is, strength training is going to net you more benefits than cardio in the long run. And that is because there's really two methods of burning calories. You can burn them manually by going out and doing lots of cardio and getting your heart rate up and forcing your body to burn them on the spot. Or you can build strength so that your body is burning more calories at rest all the time. So you don't have to spend as much time trying to manually burn those calories in order to maintain or lose weight. So ultimately, strength training ends up benefiting you a lot in that way. Um, Strength training is also great because personally, I want to be the type of person who's able to do anything without having to ask for help. And I want that to continue later on in life. Your body is one of those things where if you don't use it, you lose it in the sense that if you don't perform a certain motion, you will lose that range of motion over time. So performing functional strength movements helps stop that from happening. So you don't necessarily need to be 70 years old and unable to put your suitcase in the overhead carrier if you stick with functional strength training exercises throughout your life. So three answers, but ultimately strength training wins out for me. Um, That said, I do still incorporate cardio because I really enjoy it. And cardio obviously also has its benefits, especially when it comes to heart health. So, so what about if, so like me, for example, I have a question based off of the answer Mm -hmm. to all that is, like me personally, my body will feel lighter if I'm doing cardio all the time and I'll be at a weight that like, I don't know, traditionally or that a doctor might say is more appropriate for the size that I am. Whereas when I mix in more strength training, I feel a little bit heavier and I I weigh more. Like it's not just a feeling and I don't even know what type of body like I actually want like I I don't know that I necessarily want to feel lighter I want to feel strong 
Um, but I kind of want to have the best of both worlds, if that makes sense. But like, how do you, how do you balance that if you're just trying to figure out like for your own body, like, do you want to be a little bit more slim? Do you want to be a little bit more bulky? Like, is that part of the the equation and, and what goes into all of that? Specific body type goals can factor into that equation. Also, like in your specific example, when you're saying you feel heavier when you mix in strength training, you should be building muscle when you have strength training in your routine. So that will lead to you being heavier than if you just were to do a lot of cardio and run all the time. It is not ideal or optimal for your body to hold on to a lot of muscle if you're just doing a lot of cardio because you're you're training your body to say like, okay, I'm running all the time. Running is easier when I'm lighter. Like my body knows that. So my body is going to try to be lighter in addition to the fact that you're, you're burning all those calories. Strength training, you're telling your body, I need strength, so I need more muscle. So you will likely weigh a little bit more in that sense. But what you're not factoring in when you're thinking about just weight is actual body composition. So you may feel lighter, but you may have a higher body fat percentage because you are your body is paring down muscle for you when you're doing that cardio. So if you're someone who like, solely just cares about the number on the scale, you don't really care about what your body composition looks like, you could definitely get away with just doing cardio. But typically people think that's what they want and then you can very easily get to like a skinny fat look by doing something like that. Right. And I don't necessarily, you know, think that the scale is like the end all be all, but I think it's a good tool to get at least an idea of where you stand no pun intended with your weight and i'm i'm just curious because i mean if you take uh, it's i'm not gonna play secrets here or anything i'm five foot three and i weigh close to 170 pounds usually and if i i think said that to a normal person or even to some doctors they might be a little bit alarmed because it's i mean if you look at any type of scales on the internet and i know the internet's not the answer for everything but my weight proportion with my size isn't really in line with like what what the bmi says right right bmi is a very outdated very inaccurate tool as well so you can't but bmi doesn't take into account anyone's body composition either so pro bodybuilders will also have a bmi that is not optimal according to the charts and i would also say a pro bodybuilder isn't actually healthy but that just goes to show like muscle can really tip that scale right okay so that's what i wanted you to explain is the it's just the sense that like your height and your weight aren't necessarily a direct correlation like they may have been in the past right and in general your weight doesn't necessarily indicate your health So I know there's a lot of arguments back and forth on both sides about that, but you can't look at someone and know if they're healthy or not. And BMI is kind of a, along the same lines as like just really dumbing it down. Uh, And that's why it's not like the most accurate way to view things. Cool. All right, let's go to the next question. And my question for you is, do you track your food? I do not. (laughs) So (laughs) that is something that I am technically able to uh, 
prescribe for other people to do. And it's something that I have the tools and the knowledge to do, but it's not something that I personally find sustainable. And I think there's actually a very small portion of the population out there who does find a solution like that sustainable. So instead, I try to focus on keeping other healthy habits as a part of my lifestyle so that I don't have to be so focused on every single thing I'm putting in my mouth. So I just focus on bigger habits like having colorful fruits and vegetables at every meal. Fruits or vegetables. I don't always have both. Um, Incorporating lean protein, keeping my snacks healthier by having like vegetables in my snacks and things like that. Um, I also try to focus on having distraction-free meals and slowing down when I eat and things like that that are long-term sustainable habits and then don't matter quite as much what exactly you are eating and you still end up with solid results from that. So I have always found success without tracking. I have tried to track my intake a few times and I find it to just feel extremely restrictive and take up an amount of time that I don't want to spend thinking about my food. So by having those foundations in place, I find that I don't have to do that. And honestly, I don't think most people need to track their food. If you are looking to improve your health and you don't have a proper amount of uh, activity in every day, if you don't sleep eight hours a night, you don't manage your stress, you don't drink half your body weight in ounces of water a day, then just jumping right to counting calories or counting macros or just tracking every single thing you eat is jumping way too far ahead and you're just kind of putting the cart before the horse. There are so many pillars of health that I would tackle before I say, okay, let's move on to very precise tracking of everything you eat and tweaking your macros up and down. So I think what you said definitely makes sense and what i'm interested is more along the same lines of what we just talked about with bmi where like your calorie intake isn't necessarily you know what what you learned growing up in school with the 2000 calories a day blah 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 Um, but what i think might be helpful that i'm hoping you can explain a little bit more is uh, something along the lines of, of portion control, because I think that is maybe an area specifically where we can get a little bit more um, disciplined with with what we're doing. And um, it can really make a, a significant difference in the amount of food that we're, we're eating, uh, good or bad, and uh, even you know drinking too and, and those type of things. So can you talk a little bit about portion control? Like, do you recommend weighing your food, uh, scaling it out, measuring it in that sense. Uh, but like, how do you, how do you get portions under control if you're like a person that, um, generally is, is overeating? Those are methods that you can use to get your portions under control. You can weigh everything. If you are the type of person who thinks you want to weigh everything for the rest of your life, go for it. But that I again, don't think that is most people. So in that case, I would focus on a few things. One, incorporating more whole, unprocessed or like minimally processed foods in your diet because they are going to 
be much more difficult to overeat. So for example, a bag of potato chips, you can down pretty easily. And that has, I don't even know how many actual potatoes in it, but how many actual baked potatoes do you think you could sit down and just eat in one sitting? <laughs> Maybe three. And I can eat a lot personally. So when you focus on incorporating more of those whole natural, just minimally processed foods into your diet, it's going to automatically help you eat less. Um, and then if you are going to eat packaged foods, a quick glance at what the serving size is doesn't require you to actually track anything, but gives you a good gauge. So if you are going to have those chips, like I mentioned, if you look on the back and you see that nine chips is 120 calories, you're probably not going to down the entire bag. Well, maybe you still are, but at least then you're going to be somewhat aware of what it is that you are consuming without necessarily having to track it. There are also all sorts of different um, plating recommendations, like filling half of your plate with vegetables for a meal, and then um, a lean protein and a little bit of carbs, having some fats in there. There's all sorts of different methods you can use to get portions under better control without necessarily weighing and measuring everything. The other examples I, I want to talk about are slowing down and eating your food distraction free. I know I can snack a ton more if I'm just sitting there watching TV than if I were to really just sit down with my snack and focus on enjoying it in the moment. It is much more satisfying to do that. And then I'm not going to just keep reaching for more and more and more. And then slowing down as well. So maybe using a meal timer or something like that and just, or putting down your fork between bites, maybe taking a sip of water in between bites, anything that stops you from just like fork mouth, fork mouth, you'll then be able to tune in a little bit more to when your body is saying that you're full instead of eating so fast that you push beyond that limit and then you're uncomfortable. You mentioned it and maybe we're going to get a little bit deeper, but can you talk about water intake a little bit more? Yeah, so a good place to start with water intake is half your body weight in ounces. So whatever you weigh in pounds, cut it in half and drink that amount of water in ounces each day. If that is a struggle for you, a few things that I would recommend are drinking out of a water bottle or cup that you really like and keeping it by your side all the time so that you see it and you know you need to, to drink water. Um, setting goals throughout the day, like once an hour getting up to use the bathroom and fill your water bottle, that always gets me triggered to be drinking more of it. And replacing some of the caloric drinks that you may be consuming uh, regularly, replacing those with water. So a lot of people will drink a huge iced coffee drink, but not enough water in the day. So, you know, maybe cut down on the size of that coffee drink and replace that with water. Instead of having a can of soda, switch to a can of seltzer water so that you're still maybe satisfying what you're looking for with that soda, but actually having water instead. Yeah. So to give people an example, I drink roughly 80 fluid ounces of, of water on a pretty regular basis and I've you got me in that habit I don't know probably two years ago now when when you did one of your programs and I just want to say that 80 
can seem like a lot and for a lot of people it's going to be less for some people it may be a little bit more than that depending on what your weight is um but the thing i found is that sometimes you do need to like kind of force yourself to drink the water um because i mean i don't drink anything outside of water and alcohol um i don't drink soda i don't even drink milk anymore and so the only thing I'm drinking on a regular basis day to day is water. And there are times where I think I'm not thirsty and I'm probably not like thirsty, thirsty like I was after a baseball game or something like that. But I still need to drink the water like the water needs to it's it's going to do more inside of you than it's going to obviously just sitting there. And sometimes it makes you have to go to the bathroom a little bit more than uh, than maybe you want to. But I mean, I start when I'm up at between 5 and 5.30 every morning, I'm starting right away and trying to get spread out that 80 ounces as much as I can so that I'm, I'm not going to the bathroom constantly for like a three-hour stretch. Uh, the, I feel the more you can stretch it out, um, the, the more your and your body will adjust eventually. I, like when I first did it, it was, it was terrible and I was going to the bathroom all the time, but now for the most part, it's like, okay, I know you're supposed to be drinking this, this amount of fluid each day um so i'm expecting it and and but just wanted to say that from personal experience it is something that even though i've been doing it pretty much daily for two years now there are still days where i just have to be like oh man i i need to drink some more water and i know how much how many ounces my water bottle holds so i know how many water bottles i need per day and that's how i go about making sure that i get the intake that i'm supposed to have yeah that's a really easy way to keep track of it without necessarily tracking, like I said. Um, I also do try to front load my water intake in the day because I don't want to be up going to the bathroom at night, which sure. I know can be a problem for some people. Yeah. So that that's my two cents on water intake. Yeah. Know, know what your wake window hours are. You're stealing a, a baby term there. Just if, if you're up at between 5 and 5.30 like I am, and then you're going to bed between 9.30 and 10, I'm probably trying to stop drinking you know, a lot of my fluids by 7 o'clock. And, and then I'm trying to clear it all out so that I can sleep through the night, maybe get up once uh, and, and everything. So that's that's a good way to put it. What do we got next? Well, before we go, I have one additional quick question and then I want you to talk about some of your programs. But before we get to the programs, my additional question is around movement and steps uh, in general because there are a lot of reasons why a lot of us, and, and this is because of COVID and this is just general in life, uh, can't get the type of workouts that we want in on a daily basis. Um, but what I think one thing that we can do a better job is just moving around, whether that's moving around to your house or your apartment or going out for walks, using a treadmill if you have one, whatever it is. This is like the least amount of energy that you can expend and still get a lot of really positive things from it. So can you talk a little bit about you know, how many steps you recommend each day and um, talk a little bit more about just movement in general and what that does? Yeah. So what you're referring to is actually known as non-exercise activity. And it is definitely an important thing to fit into your day because as humans, we were meant to move and, you know, our ancestors were walking around all the time and we've just continued to make life more and more convenient. So we don't have to be up moving around as much. I know I'll get stuck sitting at my desk some days and like cringe when I realize how 
infrequently I'm getting up. So a couple of tips I have for that. Well, I have a standing desk, which definitely helps. And I'm not necessarily walking while I'm doing that. But rotating between standing and sitting, I think is one thing that makes an immediate impact. And if that's not something that's on your radar, I know at least my company um, is giving stipends for people to upgrade their home office with working from home. So little plug, you should ask your employer if that's something that they're willing to do, if that's something that, that they haven't offered yet. So that's one way to get like at least a little bit more movement in. Um, I also think tying movement into your other habits can be beneficial. So, you know, after mealtime, going for a walk, getting some steps in that way. And it doesn't have to be a long walk, but, you know, after dinner every night, going for a 15 minute walk, if you can get a quick walk in after lunch, even breakfast, just tying the habit of going for a walk onto something that you're already doing will help you get some steps in. The number of steps per day, I just stick with the very generic recommendation of 10,000 steps per day, even though it's not super scientifically backed, I think it is a good number to shoot for just so that you have an awareness of how many steps you're taking and you have something to kind of shoot for. And if you aren't focusing on your steps or getting that movement in, it can be very easy to not even get 3000 steps in a day, especially during COVID times when you're not leaving the house. So that's why I shoot for that 10,000. I would also say similar to how we were born to move and our ancestors were moving all the time, they would be cracking up to watch us on treadmills these days. Like, wow, I cannot believe that that is how you have to get your movement in. We had to move to survive. There are plenty of ways to get movement in that don't have to be that manual walking on the treadmill cardio. You can clean your house, walk around cleaning your house. You will definitely get some good activity in that way. Do some yard work. Absolutely another great way to get some activity in. Have a little dance party with your family in the living room or something, especially, like I said, we're not going anywhere or doing anything. That's a fun little way to get movement. There are all sorts of ways to bring it into your day if you just put a little bit more intention behind it. And if you don't hit that 10,000 steps every day, you don't hit that 10,000 steps every day. But it is a good number to shoot for and at least putting some intention behind that non-exercise activity will help benefit you in the long run. I love it. And thank you for all of the advice. I think it's super helpful for everyone to hear. And it helps me just get some of those reminders. And even though you, know, you give me reminders on a pretty regular basis, but we haven't published an episode since we started doing this again in October. And one of the reasons is because the time that we would normally use to record something like this, we've been recording other things. So I would love if you could uh, just talk a little bit about some of these upcoming programs that and releases that you have, especially with the new year coming uh, that everybody seems to desperately be waiting for. And um, just, yeah, tell us what's going on with all of that. Yeah, for sure. So I have always had Hit It Home and Hit It Home 2 as programs available on my website. They are 30-day programs, five workouts per week, and I just recently revamped them so that there are new videos to demo movements and explain the exercises. So Colin has been my help in recording those, and I've made the versions more printer-friendly as well. The workouts are the same, but the demos and the exercise explanations are improved. So that's really exciting. 
Hit It Home 3 is also on the way and should be released shortly as well. Um, listeners of this podcast can get a discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout at my website, sweatwithstads.com. So be sure to check that out. Also coming in the new year will be my Healthier You program, which is going to work on some of these habits that I talked about as far as drinking enough water, getting enough movement in during the day, slowing down while you're eating so you're able to listen to your body. There won't be any tracking involved. There won't be any workouts specifically involved, but it will be a six-week program done as a group to help build better habits over time. And if you ever have any questions or are interested in working together one-on-one with any type of training, be it nutrition, be it personal training, or both, you can head to my Instagram at sweatwithstods and shoot me a DM or go to sweatwithstods at gmail.com, send me an email, and I'd be happy to chat. Thanks for having me, Colin. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. We we had the Bambino here join us at the end. If you hear her making some noise, it's because she just woke up from her nap, and that's when we get our time to record. So we're going to end this episode and just say we hope everyone has a safe and enjoyable end of 2020. We'll see you all in 2021. Check out everything with Christine. I'll put it all in the show notes. Feel free to share this episode with friends, family, Uh, when you're on the road traveling or at home if you're staying home and uh, we'll see you next time take it easy